Unity of Farmington Hills, a positive path for spiritual living. Roxanne and I had the blessing to um, travel to Unity Village um, last week to witness Reverend Kelly's ordination. Um, there were lots of ministers there, and I talked to many of them. A lot of them are friends that have spoken here, Reverend Ge Gregory Geis, Reverend Carol Amos, Reverend Carol Long, Reverend Eileen Patrick, uh, Patra, Rick Beatty from Royal Oak, and they all had one message for me. You better hold on to her. Just wanted to let you know, as I said, there were ministers everywhere, but one minister was chosen to give the blessing at the opening luncheon, and that was uh, Reverend Kelly Kate. So a very special time. And then I talked to another person who was ordained, Richard McDesey, and I don't know if you are familiar with him at all, but about 10 years ago, he was brought in to expand the Unity Music Program, and I met him about 10 years ago at a Unity Music Conference. And as each minister got ordained, they were able to have a quote above their head projected while they were being ordained. And I came up to him afterwards and said, I thought yours would be just a little faith will get you where you're going which is the name of the song that we're going to be doing next. And he said he didn't think he could quote himself at his own ordination. <laughs> so we're going to sing the song and think about you and, and Richard. Just a little faith
women sitting behind me screaming, there's Halle Berry, there's Halle Berry. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, I like being in that category. I won't. I'll accept it. Wow, just a little faith. That was the perfect song to describe my journey. Just a little faith. So I wanted to show you guys the, what we got. This is the one she put on me, the stall that she put on me. It's the white one from Unity Worldwide. Isn't that nice? But then I got one from the urban school that I graduated from, too. We, they had it specially made. I'm not going to wear them both. I'm getting hot. <laughs> I'm telling you, this change thing doesn't work for me. We're going to have to have a little conversation with God about that one. Woo, I feel like I'm in hell already. Shoot, I did a lot of good things. I should be in heaven. Oh, man. So hopefully, down in hell, they have this big industrialized-sized fan. Although it just blow fire at you. So I heard this cute little joke. You know, I always start off with a cute little joke. And I heard this cute little joke, which I'm glad I'm not having that experience of what I heard about. It was this Catholic bishop who had gone to a country church to visit for, for his annual visit, and he was going to speak this particular day. And as he walked up to the pulpit, he noticed that there were only three elderly people in the audience. So he's like, okay. So then he goes to step up into the podium, and he asked the, the uh, priest, did you tell them I was coming? And the priest said, no, but word seems to have gotten around. <laughs> I'm glad a good, another word got around about me. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm speaking on using the power of your imagination. And this is really big for me. It's really big for me because I have been using the power of my imagination since I was little, just like all of us have, right? In my imagination when I was little, actually, I was the oldest of five. I was the big sister, the big, the, the big mama, you know? Well, the second big mama. My mama was the big mama. I was the little big mama. And I used to play house for my sisters and brothers, and of course, I was the mama. But I also played school with them. And I loved it. I loved being up there teaching. And to make it even more special, my grandmother was able to get these you know, these desks, these classroom desks, and she had about five of them. She got them and had put them in. So I had them all set up. And so during the summertime, my sisters and brothers didn't have fun. They had school. <laughs> I used to tear out their assignments from their little workbooks, and I used to make my own assignments for them. And my mom was fine with it because she had a babysitter. She could go enjoy herself. But it was also a good thing for me because I always visualized that I really was a teacher. And I actually did tutor and, 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 you know, teach my sisters and brothers how to read. And 
I did, and my father was like, and I would say, you know, I got some assignments for the kids. And my dad was like, you know, there are only stair steps underneath you. Like my sister, my youngest one was only four years younger than me. And I was like, yeah, but they're still the kids. I'm the oldest. The power of imagination is, as a child, whatever you imagined at that particular time as you were growing up, you probably were creating, creating your spiritual journey into being that which you were imagining. It's no surprise that I'm a substitute teacher and I enjoy working with the kids. And it's no surprise that I am a spiritual teacher as well. As I come up to present the lesson, we call it the lesson in unity, the spiritual lesson in unity. So I want to go on a journey. I want you guys to go on a spiritual journey with me. And I want you to open yourselves up and use the spiritual power of your imagination. And we're going to go in this journey back to a story in the Old Testament, a story with the, where Ezekiel is going through a vision of what is called the Valley of the, Dead, the Dry Bones. Anyone heard of that before? The Valley of the Dry Bones? Well, at this particular time, the Jews were, be, were in captivity in Babylon, Babyl, Babylonian. How do you get Babylon? Thank you. Babylon. Thank you. Babylonian. Anyway, I, I, I know the word. I just don't feel like searching for it. So anyway, as they're in captivity, God had told them before, prior to that, through another prophet, that they were going to end up in captivity because they keep going against the grain of what God has told them to do. Now, that's a, that's a message there. Then anytime we move out of being in alignment with God, we're going to experience some type of feeling of captivity, some type of feeling of bondage, some type of illness, some type of restriction or lack. Somewhere in our life, when you venture away and take what I call the scenic route to God, you're going to experience some areas that go, Whoo, let me get back, let me get back, let me get back, let me get back. Because you're, you're not going to want to be in hell. That's what it is. It's an experience of hell. You do not have to wait until you die to experience hell. Hell, can I get an amen? Amen. And the Jews figured this out. Now, in this particular case, Ezekiel is the prophet at the time that's being led to give the message from God to the chosen people, quote unquote. And the chosen people are actually those who choose to follow in alignment with God. Okay, so today what we're going to discuss is how to use your spiritual imagination to create a heavenly life. Doesn't that sound good? Creating a heavenly life as opposed to a life of hell and turmoil and issues. Who wants to go on that journey with me? All hands should be up. <laughs> Unless you enjoy the hell, I'll let you stay there. That's fine. But I'd like for you to come on this journey with me. So first of all, let me explain two, the, two terms. The first one is Ezekiel. Like I said, Ezekiel is one of the prophets from the Old Testament who gave the message of, from God, who, who would give the message from God. And he's one of the major prophets from the Old Testament. And the reason why they call him one of the major prophets is because his chapter is one of the biggest chapters in the Old Testament. The other ones are Isaiah, Daniel, and... 
Jeremiah. So Ezekiel means God strengthens, God empowers, God's power. When you're walking in an expression of Ezekiel, you're walking in God's power. But something has to come first before you do that. You have to be in a relationship with God first. I mean, seriously, you have to walk into a deep relationship with God first in order to walk in your power. And as we read this story, we're going to look at it from a spiritual perspective. Are we okay with that? So we're not going to read the letter of the law and stay with the letter of the law. We're going to go into the spirit of law. And in this chapter of Ezekiel, this is chapter 37, God leads Ezekiel into this spiritual vision. And back in the day, the prophets usually got some type of dream or some type of, some type of vision. In our day, we would experience it in a form of maybe daydreaming, or you may have a premonition, or you may have some type of vision as well. When I go into meditation, I tend to have an experience that's a deep vision. As a matter of fact, I remember the last meditation on Wednesday that we had here. So guys, come on out on Wednesdays because we have Wednesday night meditation. And come, because when you come together, there's another power that's there. Those of you who come on Wednesdays, can you, can you attest to that with me? That when you come, there's a feeling of coming together in attunement with God that's really powerful. At Wednesday's meditation, we visualize the light of God, which is in your genital area, the back where your spine is. We, we, we visualize that light of God enlivening our entire body. And I feel safe to share an experience of one of the ladies who was here who said she saw a skeleton. And she saw in her skeleton just being infused with the power and the light of God. And it was this red light that filled up. God showed her how it was working in her body. Is that right? Debbie? <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the spot. But she's always so excited to share her experiences. And I love to share them, to share that it works. I had someone else say that the experience was like being in a, a, a deep, peaceful place and then not wanting to come back. And a consciousness came to me how powerfully we must be experiencing what's similar to those who have a near-death experience. Do you know what I mean? But we don't have to die to have a near-death experience. You could just go into a deep meditation with God, connect with the spirit that you are, and move into that place. You're already in tune with God. So in this experience, the Jews are complaining to Ezekiel because they're in captivity, and where is God, and why isn't God there, right? So God leads Ezekiel into this vision where he's in this valley, and in this valley are all these dead bones. It's an army of dead bones, and they're all scattered all around, and he has them looking. God has them going to and fro through these aisles of dead bones, and he's looking at them, and he's like, why am I doing this? He's like, what is this? It's like he's in despair looking at these dead bones, and, and it's kind of spooky in there, too, like you're waiting for them to get up and dance or something, right? So he's really scared. He's really in this place. And while he's there, God says, I'm going to recite it from the Bible. 
And of course, like I tell you, I use the New Living Translation. This is Ezekiel chapter 37. God says, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Son of man. And Ezekiel's thinking about it. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, I, I, you know the answer. Now, first of all, let's look at what son of man means. Because there's two terms here, the two terms that are used in the Bible, and one is son of man and the other one is son of God. Son of God I will start with because son of God is the divine expression of man. That's God's ideal expression of man. That's the son of God. That's what Jesus manifested when he resurrected on the cross. Well, got off the cross and he resurrected from the tomb. He would have been keeping up on the cross. Get me off. Like the scarecrow. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, come back, come back. Okay. That's the Son of Man is the divine idea in God's mind. I mean, the Son of God. Now, the Son of Man is that spiritual essence, the spiritual man inside of you. So there's something here that's going on. Remember, bring out your spiritual, the power of your imagination. That means you're going into the spiritual sight. When he says son of man, he's telling Ezekiel, look at these bones and see them as I see them. Not from your human perspective of these dry bones and pieces of man that are dried up all around you. Can these bones come to life? Think about your life. Have you ha ever had any moments in your life where it might have been like dry bones? You might have felt alone in your situation. You might have felt, even if you've lost somebody, you might have felt that deep loss from somebody you really love, and you feel alone. You feel like dead bones. Or you have a moment where you're in a spiritual, uh, uh, a financial crisis, and at that moment you're in a financial crisis, you feel like there's no help. You feel like you're in the dead bones. Or you may be in a situation where you feel helpless to help your child because it looks like your child is spiraling down the wrong road and you can't help them. They make their own choices, especially when they become adults, right? And you're helpless and you feel like your hands are shackled because they're not listening. You're in a valley of dead bones. Or a situation that I was in once where I lost my job, had to move out of my home, and my car was stolen all in the same six months. And I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I was in a valley of the dead bones. But God says, son of man, look past these bones. Can life be brought into these bones to bring them back to living people? Think about that for a moment. In every situation that you are in or have been in, or even if you're there right now, even if you're in a body that is filled with cancer, can life come into that situation? Hmm. Ezekiel says, you know the answer to that. But, and God does know the answer to that. But God wants us to see that there is an answer to that. 
God wants us to move past this circumstance that we're in and looking at these bones and looking at the things that are causing despair inside of us. And God wants us to look into the truth of the situation. So what's the next thing he tells Ezekiel? He says to him, prophesy. He says, speak a prophetic message to these bones. He says, the message is dry bones. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put life into you and make you alive again. I will put flesh on your muscles. Well, flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. Right here, he's telling them. The first step in any situation where you're using your spiritual imagination to create a divinely, a heavenly life, the first situation is to look in that situation. I mean, the first step is to look in that situation and see that life exists. Why does life exist? Because in any situation, God is still present. God is still present in the valley of the dead bones. God is there in the valley of the dead bones. God is in your situation right now, just like God always has been and always will. So the first step is to look and see life, see the presence of God in this situation. But you can't see the presence of God unless you're living from the presence of God. And you can't live from the presence of God unless you're living with God. Heaven represents the consciousness of spirit. Where does God live, by the way? In heaven, right? God lives in heaven, and heaven is everywhere present. And Jesus said that heaven, being everywhere present, is within you. So you look past these bones and you go inside So when we are prophesying over those bones that you will become life, you will become a human expression of the truth is what you're saying. You're literally shifting your consciousness. Now that you've acknowledged that there is life in the situation, you turn inside where life exists in you, where you are tapped into the life, and you open up and you prophesy it and you see it within yourself. You align yourself to the truth in the situation. So when you have lost somebody, seemingly, because a transition is just the spirit leaving the body. Spirit's always with you. When you're in a situation where the bank account may say zero, the truth is you're still prosperous. The truth is you are still tapped into the infinite ATM machine. I'm saying, I know from experience, you're still tapped in, but you will only know when you close your eyes and intentionally tap in. Let go of what the dry bones look like and look at the truth. Close your eyes to the physical world. That's what it means to prophesy over the bones and tell them that they will be life. It means to close your eyes to what you see and open your eyes to what God is showing you and take it in. He prophesied over those dead bones and they became 
human bodies. It was an army of human bodies, but there was no life in them. They were just like Adam when Adam was created from the dust. When we try to do something on our own, there will be no life in it, and it will not last. You have to use your spiritual imagination to connect in your relationship with God. And let, let's, let, me, let me tell you the truth. The truth is God is in relationship with you right now. But are we aware of it? And are we holding up our end of the bargain? Are we connecting and becoming in relationship with God? It is only when we connect with God, seriously, go inside on a daily basis and have that love affair with God, that you will be able to go further in having these human bodies in front of you. So we will come with some solutions of our own. Yes, there will be times where solutions will come up, but they'll be limited. They won't be able to move you forward because there's no life in them. They're coming from your human perspective, not your spiritual creation. See, the power of our imagination is that we have that spiritual power in us to create within. When you close your eyes to the world and you open your eyes to God within you, the son of man in you, when you come from that perspective, that's the only way you can truly move forward. Because when we try to create stuff in our own, in our own mind, we create it from our own history, how far we've come so far. You can't go past this until you open, close your eyes, and then God opens the door, and you go forward. So what's this? So the first step in using your spiritual imagination to create a heavenly life, and creating a heavenly life means that you see and you walk in alignment with God all the time. And there's peace there all the time. You ever had a deep feeling of peace? When you knew God was there, you knew beyond a shadow of doubt God was there, you've walked into the first unity principle that there is only one power and one presence active in your life and in the universe, and that's God, the good omnipotent. And when you see life in your situation, you see there's good there no matter what shows up, no matter what's going on in the world. And we got a lot of things in the world that don't seem so good, don't we? I mean, just think about it. I don't know what's going on in the United States. We're having a temper tantrum or something. But even in the temper tantrum, life exists. Even in those seemingly terrible incidences that are occurring, life exists. Even in the situations where there's things going on that it's like, what in the world? Life exists. Because God is there, but you cannot see it until you use your, the power of your imagination. That's your spiritual man. That's the spiritual imagination. So, you see life in this situation? You see it from God's eyes. And the second thing is that you affirm it. Let me make sure I'm saying it right, because I want to say it the way God gave it to me. I don't want to put my, yep. First you see it from a heavenly, expression, a heavenly perspective. Then you see life in it. 
What do you think the third thing is? If I see it from a heavenly perspective, I see it from God's eyes, and then I, I mean, I see it, yeah, from God's eyes, and from God's eyes, I see that God is everywhere present, so in this situation, heaven still exists. What do you think the third step would be? Anybody? Walking as if it's true. Yeah, we get there. That's, that's the third one. The, you're close. The next thing God told him to do after he said, look at this situation and see that there's life. And then he said, profess that there is life in this situation. The third thing he says is to speak a prophetic message, message to the winds. And he's still saying, son of God. He says, breathe life into the situation. Pray over the situation as if it is already so. You cannot pray over a situation as if it is already so unless you see that it is already so. Because if your words are not compatible with what you're trying to say, meaning you are trying to claim a heavenly life, but you're living a human expression or coming from a human perspective, they don't match. You're in the wrong lane. The beautiful part about God is that when we get in God's lane, we're in the right lane. We're in the right lane. When you elevate your way of seeing things, you can pray from that perspective. And when you prophesy, you are breathing life from the life within you. You are breathing life into your situation. You are using your spiritual imagination to create a heavenly life. And you feel it. And you see it. And then you live in it. When I was going through the situation where I had no car, no job, I had a little bit of money saved. Luckily, I was saving money because I was trying to move out. I saw the situation that God was in it, and I kept claiming it. I had a relationship, I had a deep relationship with God. It started when I was little. I used to have night terrors, and my dad told me, pray. And as I was praying, I would just talk to God at night because I couldn't go to sleep. So in this situation I was in several years ago, it's after I got divorced the second time. I was, I was very depressed because I had just moved myself up to getting a new job. My dad had gotten me a car, so when I moved out, I had a new car. And I had a place to live temporarily until I could move out. And then when I lost my job, a week later, my car was stolen. And then a week later, my dad said, we're going to move out because I'm giving up the house. He wanted to go in a, in a better space. That house reminded him of my mom, and he wanted to move forward. I did not know what to do. I was in those dry bones. Can you imagine how scary that is? That's really scary. Anybody been in a situation similar to that? We have bam, 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 things happen. But I had that relationship with God. So in the situation, even when I didn't see it, because sometimes it takes a moment to see it. I kept speaking as if I was in, my girlfriend Deidre will tell you, and Michelle will tell you, on my way home 
from wherever I was going. I was saying, I'm on my way home from my new job. Because my dad was letting, me, let, was letting me borrow his second car. Luckily, that didn't get, didn't get stolen, too. Like, you're bad luck. I'm not giving you another car. <laughs> but I was speaking it, and I would call them up purposely because it wasn't enough for me to say it to myself. I would pray it, but then I was calling them up saying, I am going to my new interview. I'm going to my new job. I have a new car. When I was coming home, I was telling them, I'm coming to my new home. And then one time when I got my job, it's like, I actually have a job. I got a new job. I got a new job. It's not a, what, a, a um, false alarm. It's the truth. And then I was able to get a car. And then I was able to move out just in the nick of time. I'm telling you it works. One more story. And then I will move into this a little further. How many of you know I do not like airplanes? Have I said it enough? Have I said it enough? Oh my goodness. I had to get on an airplane to go to Kansas City. OMG. And like I said, when I'm quiet, my husband knows, sums up. Because I'm a talker. I'm quiet all the way there. You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. He came in. I was having a panic. He said, I don't want to get on the airplane. I'm, I'm, I don't want to. I'm walking around. He's like, are you all packed? Oh, I don't know. My mind was, ooh. I was in the dead bones. I was in the dead bones. And they were coming at me. And I was beating them off with one of the bones. <laughs> I was so silly. I got on the airplane and it got started. And I got started praying, praying, praying. I was seeing good in the situation. I was seeing life in the situation. I hadn't even read this again, but I was using that situation. The Father and I are one. The Father and I are one. The Father and I are one. And I was moving into a space where I realized the Father and I are one. God is here in this situation. Oop, I feel that bump. But God is still in the situation. <laughs> Whoa, shoot. All right. It's a roller coaster, but God is still here. Woo. All right, I'm at peace. Father, thank you for getting me at peace. Okay, the, the pilot just said that we're about to descend in 20 minutes. Woo, all right. This is scary, God, but I know you're touching the pilot's hand. I'm in this space with you. You and I are one. I see life in this situation. I see good in this situation. Oh, there's another bump, but there's still good there. Woo, that's a big one. Why am I bouncing all over? Okay. God, you got your hand on the pilot. You got your hand on everyone here. We are all blessed. Now, I'm speaking God. I'm speaking God. And I was at peace before I knew it. And we landed, and I was okay. Now, that's the one thing. On the way here, I did the same thing. But it wasn't scary. The dry bones had turned into bodies. I had moved past this fear, even to the point when I got on the airplane, I didn't have to go, one minute, sorry, two minutes. I didn't have to do that. I could just walk on, and I got in my seat, and I was fine. I moved from the dry bone to becoming a body into giving life to it. I was in this space of peace to the point that when it was time to land, I opened my eyes and looked out the window. I saw how beautiful. God showed me the beauty in the landscaping. 
And I had my eyes open until we landed. That is big for me. I promise you, that is big for me. Now when my husband says he wants to go to Timbuktu or something like that, I'll say, give me three minutes. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But any situation you go through, any situation you are in that feels like it is dry bones, that feels like it is scary than scary can be, See the life in the situation. What that means is see that God is there, everywhere present. You are already in heaven. You are right now in this room. You are already in heaven. It's up to you and up to me to acknowledge that and express it and see it for ourselves. So the second the second one, I'm putting up one more. The second one, the second step in using your spiritual imagination is to see how God's working it out. In you, not in the world, in you. Third unity principle says thoughts held in mind produce after their kind, right? If you don't like your life, change your thoughts, you change your what? Your life. I'll say it again. Change your thoughts, you change your life. One more time. Change your thoughts, you change your life. Yes, because you give life to your situation and you step into experiencing a heavenly creation that you are. The way to use spiritual imagination to create a heavenly life is to realize you are already in a heavenly life and to walk as if you are. So you see life in the situation. You see that that life is God. You see that you are one with it, and then you walk as if you are it. I am at peace now when it comes to getting on an airplane. I think. We'll see. Take the next flight, and we'll see. But I know how to move into that space. If I'm not, I am creating a heavenly life together. I am creating a heavenly life. I see God in every situation together. I see God in me in every situation together. I walk in a heavenly expression of God together. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. God bless you. All my life I longed to be a hero. My sword raised high, running to the battle. I was going to take giants down. Be a man you could write about Deep in my chest is the heart of a warrior So why am I still standing here? Why am I still holding back from you? I hear you call me out into deeper waters But I settle on the shallow get these feet to move but I don't want to live that way I don't want to look back someday on a life that never stepped across the line so why am I still
Ready to give